Welcome everyone interested in this ancient text called the Bible, written thousands of years ago, and yet supposedly it's supposed to mean something to us today. So I am your host, Jonathan the Dumb Christian. We're going to try and figure out what it means to us today. Today we are looking at nine verses in Genesis chapter 11, which give us this tiny window into an incredible story about something called the Tower of Babel, or in French, du ta- Le Tower du Babel. I think that's how you pronounce it. I have no idea. But uh, in order for us to explore this ancient construction site, uh, the Bible will have to get just a little bit real. We might get just a little bit colorful, so buckle up and welcome to Dumb Christian. In order for us to explore these nine verses in Genesis chapter 11, we're going to have to use, again, some Jewish sources, some some of the sages' teachings, some rabbi teaching, tradition, um, a lot of Jewish uh, information and background, some Mesopotamian information and background. Uh, But ultimately, man, it's nine verses. Go read it for yourself. Genesis chapter 11. God said it the way he wants to say it. He'll always say it better than I can say it. I'm just a dumb Christian trying to understand what it has to do with us now. But Genesis chapter 11 takes place. I'm really bad at math, but I think it's somewhere around like 200, maybe 300 years after the flood, somewhere in there. And the story of the flood has become one of the most prominent stories that people are telling each other. And it is like the story. They're making movies about it. They're selling all sorts of different authors are are publishing different books and they're writing fiction and nonfiction and the libraries are exploding with these works about the flood. The flood happens and humanity comes together and says, we have to collaborate, come up with a plan so that we can keep this from ever happening again. So they hold a town meeting in the East somewhere in Babylon and, and people have been, um, making babies like Catholic bunnies. Like the world has just exploded in population all over again. So much so that they're going to have to uh, disperse. You know, God said, go fill the earth. And this is one of the things that they're going to have to do where they've uh, isolated, where they're located. They've become so populated. They have to migrate and they say, okay, we're about to spread out and cover some more land. So let's hold a town meeting and figure out the best way to do this. They hold the town meeting and and somebody says, I have an idea. What if we head west and we we scout out some new land with some good um, fertile soil so we can do crops um, that's got good wood so we can like forests so we can get the timber and, and good rocks so we can have a quarry and we'll just scout out a really great spot for a brand new city where we can come together, where we can cultivate And really build a new base of operations. And then someone else says, oh yeah, that's a great idea. And then once we build the city, we should also build a ziggurat, a tower. Because that's the type of towers, a ziggurat, that they built in Babylon. And someone else says, oh yeah. And what we could use the ziggurat for is 
we could put temples inside the ziggurat for idol worship. And then someone else says, oh, yeah. And then in addition to that, we can give a giant middle finger to the God who flooded the earth and defy him. I, I say, let's build that tower so high that it reaches heavens so that we can pierce the heavens. And, and we'll get into that in a little bit. <clears throat> And then someone else says, yeah, and we'll build the city and the tower so big that everyone in the world can recognize that we accomplished this great thing and that if they want to be a part of it too, they can come join our society. Can you imagine that like town hall meeting, that planning strategy that went into that? But there's all these like different ideas coming together on the best way to create a culture and a society that says we're going to prevent a global flood, or even just a global catastrophe from ever happening again. So this very large people group separate themselves from this massive people group, and they migrate west. It says they migrate from the east where Babylon is located. And there are these five, you can read in this passage, there are five main things that they're trying to accomplish by this construction site. One, they want to build a city. They want to build a tower. They want to reach heaven. They want to become globally recognized and acknowledged for what they've done. And then they want to consolidate that culture and and preserve their ability to have accomplished these things. All of these things that we're going to have to try and break down and understand what's going on here. And there's something to be said about their ability to unify, right? Like that's one of the things I think that human beings really pride themselves on. We pride ourselves on our ability to come together to defy the odds. If we can just put down our differences, put aside our differences and work together, we can accomplish anything. Does that sound familiar? And although this passage lays out five things that they are clearly trying to accomplish, the Jewish sages suggest that there are also innumerable other ambitions and priorities that are subtly worked into each tier uh, of the mission that they're, they're setting out to accomplish. But let's take a look at each of the five of these. The first one is let's build a city. I've heard some scholars and some teachers suggest that this is the main thing that pissed God off because he said, I want you to go fill the earth disperse and, and, and populate the whole earth. And some scholars will suggest, well, God was really unhappy that people wanted to live in a city instead of dispersing. But what we see right off the bat, I, I would disagree with that. And many Jewish scholars disagree with that because they are dispersing, right? They're actually collective over in Babylon and they say, let's spread out and building a city isn't in defiance of what God asked. Cain built a city. Nimrod built a city. city. Cities are where people come together, share their lives together, interact, trade, sell, tell stories, live life. So it's not necessarily that they built a city and that pissed God off. But they built the city as a base of operations, a headquarters, so that they could build a tower. This is where things start to get hairy. In Babylon, towers are called, towers are ziggurats. And ziggurats are these very large constructions, very, very tall. They start with a very wide base. And then on top of the base, there's a slightly smaller, but still very large 
uh, layer, and then on top of that, slightly smaller, slightly smaller, slightly smaller until you get to the top. And they become these very large construction pieces. And the ziggurats were often identified with idolatry, worship of pagan gods. And this ziggurat would also become a home to temples of other pagan gods. The idea is, let's create a ziggurat so massive that we can actually house a variety of temples. The base, somewhere I read, was suggested that it was going to be 30 square kilometers of a base. The base was going to be so massive that it would be one uh, area dedicated to temples uh, for gods. And then the, the layer on top of that might be for homes, whatever. And it would be this massive tower ascending with layers, layers, layers up to the very top where the top layer would be a super sacred, holy temple where only the most worthy of pagan priests could go worship and serve. This would be the ziggurat, the tower. It would be a, a beacon to the world that said, all religions are welcome here except for the one that worships the God who flooded the earth. Everyone else is welcome. In this way, the tower itself is also just one giant middle finger to that God who sent a flood, saying, we welcome and worship everyone but you. You're not welcome here. And the tower was designed to be so tall, the intention was that it would reach into heaven where God sent the floodwaters from. Remember, it the flood it rained for 40 days. So the idea was the waters came from heaven. If we can reach the heavens where God who floods lives, we can drain the heavens slowly over the course of hundreds of years so that it doesn't come out as a massive flood. And if we can't drain the heavens, maybe what we can do is we can actually build like a support beam to keep the heavens from breaking open and bursting and flooding the earth again. Either way, the design and the intention was we're going to prohibit God from ever causing a global catastrophe again, despite the fact that he sent a rainbow, a promise that he wasn't going to do it again. Then on top of the tower, it was said that there would be a giant massive statue of a man holding a sword violently in defiance against the God of the heavens that floods as a testimony to say, we've reached you, we defy you, and we will not stand for your shenanigans any longer. And the, the tower with its final pinnacle, this crowning trophy, this uh, ornament on top of the ziggurat Christmas tree says to the entire world, look at what we have accomplished. We've been able to defy and overcome that God who destroyed the world and we'll never let him do it again ultimate defiance and a symbol to the world. Look at our feats, our accomplishments as humanity. Look what we can do if we just come together. 
Here's where we start to first see human beings coming together and saying, okay, what can we do to protect ourselves from supernatural events, from divine activities? How can we defeat the gods? And and what they discover is, oh, it's going to take a collection of thoughts, ambitions, and motivations. It's going to take a collection of skills and strengths and ideas that we collectively have to come together to create something bigger than our individual selves in order to stand against the divine. And they each come with different ambitions, Right. Some people want to really focus and pour into working on the city, build that headquarters, the base of operations. Some people really are focused on idolatry and the temples. Some people are really focused on the construction of the tower itself. Some people really, really want to get into the heavens. Some people really want to defy God. Some people really want to give him the middle finger and stand in violent opposition to him. And some people just want to brag about it to the rest of the world. But it takes all of these different ideas and perspectives and people working together to accomplish it. Right? Are you tracking with me so far? And this sounds a lot like the movie Armageddon starring Bruce Willis. If you haven't seen it, it's a pretty good story. I enjoyed it. You'll probably cry in a good way. But the idea is that it's a giant asteroid headed towards Earth and humanity has to figure out how to work together to prevent this global catastrophe from occurring. Armageddon is a word from the Bible in reference to an event that takes place before the end of time. In the end, after everything has concluded, and and the Bible tells us about what eternity after the end occurs, what eternity with with God, the God of the universe, will be like. There'll be no more pain, suffering, or death. Armageddon is a word referring to the end, the destruction, and the elimination of pain, suffering, and death. But in order for that to occur... The source of pain, suffering, and death also has to be eliminated and destroyed. And what we discover in the Bible is that this event that removes pain, suffering, and death removes the source of pain, suffering, and death, which are people. The source is people. There are lots of people who are the source, the cause of pain, suffering, and death. And so to liberate God's people from these horrible things... The people causing them have to be wiped out. And it's very interesting that this idea of the people who want to wipe out the source of pain, suffering, and death is the bad guy, right? No, you have a skewed perspective on humanity. People aren't the source of pain, suffering, and death. We really just need to surrender our our our, our selfish ambitions. And if we can just come together, we can overcome that evil aspect of humanity. We're better than that. And and so Hollywood puts out all these stories that just kind of like twist a little bit the ideas and stories and activities of God in the Bible, twists them just enough to make them offend us. You ever like read the Bible and think, 
man, that's some bullshit. Why would God do that? That's horrendous. And yet we're from, we're flooded with and bombarded by all these stories and TV shows and movies and books and stories we tell each other and posts on Facebook that take those things, twist them just a little bit so that they're offensive. And then when we read those stories about God, we associate him with those terrible, horrible things. And we think, oh, wow, that's what God must be like. He just wants to ruin humanity, but we can overcome him if we can come together and be unified. That's what's happening here at the tower, at the city that they're building. In the movie, a giant asteroid is headed towards Earth, and it takes Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck to go onto the asteroid and and, and blow it up or something to protect the world. They manage to save the planet, But the movie doesn't tell us... Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry. (laughs) If you haven't seen it. Whoops. But the movie doesn't tell us what happens after. Because the reality is, all of a sudden they're going to realize, oh shit, what if another asteroid comes to Earth? We need to be proactively ready against this. What if some other threat even greater than a giant asteroid comes and and is going to threaten the earth? We have to take proactive actions to prevent and prepare so that we're able to avoid another catastrophe, a global disaster by our own human efforts and cunning. But the way that you do that is to continue to implement that single-mindedness that gave you the ability to destroy the asteroid in order to think and operate and function on a level that no one has any uniqueness and individuality except that they contribute to the one human goal of survival. And this is the fifth thing that we see being um, that they're trying to cultivate here by creating, by building the city and the tower is to create a culture that is so subjected to single mindedness Look, we're going to have all the religions, so you can have your own religion as long as it's not uh, worshiping the God who floods the earth, and and we can do all sorts of practices, we can all live together, but our unified single-mindedness, everything that we do has to be with the intention and purpose of overcoming and defying that God who wiped us out before. This then, so it says... um, Let us create a city where we can come together lest we disperse, lest we become unique individuals and just wander off. Let's create a society that is so single-minded in our purpose, there is no more individuality, that everyone is united with a sole mission, a sole single worldview. And so to enforce this, right, this actually becomes a system of tyranny. And it's so interesting that this this effort to restore faith in humanity, to turn humanity into the religion, humanism, we can accomplish it on our own. We don't need no stinking God of the universe. Is as it doesn't it doesn't seem too far off 
to some things we might see going on in the world right now. And, and we have all of these efforts to take these biblical ideas and these biblical stories, these ways that God works and twist them just enough to make them offensive so that we would eagerly sign on to surrender the liberty, the freedom, the life, the pleasure, the joy, the creativity, the divine image God wants to recreate within us in order to worship ourselves, to be a beacon to the world, to the universe. Look at us. We've reached the heavens and we defy even the gods. None can stand against us. And supposedly, the sages say that they they got pretty far in their construction efforts. They built a city. They started to build this massive, massive ziggurat. And while all this is going on, the God of the universe, God creator, the same God who flooded the world, visits the construction site, surveys, and the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Godhead, three in one, are standing around sipping their morning joe, having a conversation with each other. Huh, what are we going to do about this? And they look at each other and they discuss, they decide, if we let this play out the way that it's going to play out, if we let people just come create this humanistic religion, this worldview, this society where they surrender everything we've created them for in order to defy us, it's going to cause irreparable damage to humanity, to the world, and ultimately it will prohibit God from being able to send the Messiah. If everyone is in defiance and opposition to God, there will be no room for a Messiah. And so, like the flood, God says, we need to intervene. If we don't intervene, if we don't course correct here, there's no turning back. And remember, from Genesis 3, God said, I'm going to send a Messiah, a person to save, to redeem, to fix the system. And in order to do that, we're going to have to intervene here at this construction site. And so they're talking and they say, let us confuse their languages. So God doesn't send a flood. He doesn't send a giant asteroid that's going to, you know, cause a global catastrophe. But he says, let's confuse their languages. And then the ancient rabbis, they say that the, the, the language groups were determined by the motivations and ambitions of the different people groups involved in the construction process. So the people group who were really ambitious about let's build a headquarters, a place where from uh, a place from which we can birth all of these amazing ideas and and we can uh, we can cultivate. We can nurture the human spirit. We can nurture and foster. That's what I was looking for. We can foster this attitude of unity among humanisms, uh, humans. That people group was given a language. Then there's the people group who are like, man, let's create um, all these temples within the ziggurat for idols. Let's build uh, worship uh, altars and all these ways that we could worship idols. That people group got a unique language. And then there's the people group who said, let's pierce the heavens. Let's reach into the heavens and defy God himself. That people group got a specific language. And then there's the people group who said, yeah, let's 
create this tower as a beacon to the rest of the world. You can be like us. That people group got uh, a specific language. And the people group who said, yeah, and then let's enforce this and oppress people so that everyone has to live like we live in order to defy the gods. That people group got a language. And so as the peoples discover, oh, we share the same language, we can go off and start our own people group. The dispersal of the people groups wasn't simply based on their language, but also their worldview, the way that they thought this is how we need to interact with the world. And so as these groups go off and create their own societies, their their cultures evolved not simply around a language but their political systems, their worldviews, their religious systems were built around their shared ideologies. And instead, when they encountered Yahweh God, the one that they were trying to defy, when they discovered they could not defy him, instead of responding with, okay, obviously we can't overcome him, there must be something greater than ourselves. Maybe we should try and figure this out. What does it look like for us to walk rightly with this God? Instead of that mentality, they said, okay, now we're going to go create our own worldviews. We're just going to reinforce these systems and these, uh, these tribes, these ways that we live our lives, these religions, these worldviews. We're just going to cultivate and foster these attitudes that have caused us to stand in opposition to that God. We're just going to evolve them and try to master them. And, and so that's where we see these tribes birthing these nations these countries who have very like very well defined world views political systems religious systems that say no we can't have anything to do with yours because ours is the right way and yet it is by the grace of this god who is longing to save the earth and everyone on it working towards that salvation through flooding the earth, confusing languages, in order that we might know his grace through a savior that would take upon himself the pain, suffering, and death that we are the cause of. And that is a real quick little snapshot at the first nine verses of Genesis chapter 11, La Tour du Babel, starring Bruce Willis. I love you guys. Next time. Guys, thank you so much for walking through the Tower of Babel with me. Uh, yeah, there's a lot there that maybe we haven't thought about that we didn't even know. And, you know, maybe it's just some fun storytelling that we heard from some Jewish rabbis. Either way. Uh, I hope it was encouraging, gives us some insight to what was happening then, also gives us some insight into what's happening in our world today in efforts to try and defy this God who once flooded the world. Hey, be sure to check out our YouTube Dumb Christian Podcast. we got exclusive stuff on there, Dumb Christian Thoughts, Dancing with Jesus, and Dumb Christian Podcast Dad Jokes. Be sure to subscribe, like, ring that bell, and the butler responds, Yes, how can I help you? And I'll catch you guys in the next one. Love you guys.